everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at Highpoint Church. This past Sunday, Pastor Lloyd Biddle talked about racism and privilege and shared some of his experiences as an African-American male. At the end of the service, we had an Ask Me Anything time with him and Pastor Nick Gibson, where we continued to tackle more on these topics. There were several questions that we didn't get to, so they're back to answer them today. We're releasing their conversation in two parts, and you are currently listening to part one. As always, if you have any questions from listening to this episode, email us at podcast at highpointchurch.org. We'd love to have you join us for future AMA times on Sundays at 9 a.m. at highpointchurch.org slash live. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is the Ask Me Anything edition following the June 14th worship service. I'm here with Lloyd Biddle, who was the preacher that day. My name is Nick Gibson. I'm the senior pastor. And I'm going to be asking Lloyd questions. I may make some comments as we go along the way. But this is a, a good opportunity for you to hear from stuff Lloyd's been thinking about these last several weeks. So, Lloyd, I'm going to start out with a – it'll sound easy, but you could take it anywhere – question. Okay. Which is, how do you? what do you think High Point – can do to better minister to and serve our black brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, outstanding question. And uh, just keep in mind, this is just one uh, African-American with a very uh, particular uh, perspective on what, what things might be transformative, right? And, um, or just pl- playing just simply helpful. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll just start by telling you kind of what I do. And if, you, if you're a high point person, you've heard this before, but you, it helps you understand how I think. And then I'm going to translate to to your gifts and your interests and your passion. So my gifts and interests and passion is in education because I have personally experienced how having a high quality education, both in terms of a Catholic school primary education, then an elite prep education, then a state school, University of Illinois, best state school in, in the state, you know, the, the state school, uh, Champaign-Urbana, then Northwestern, then we, so I'm a big believer in education. So that's my passion. And when I looked at the data, it suggests that the gaps in education and reading and, and math happen very early. And once they're early, they're hard to close. So for four years, I worked in Mrs. Smith's first grade class, and I was her partner. And then Becky Cunder, the principal's partner, a reading with kids, helping them with their reading. Um, so my passion, my interest, my gift. So I would say to you, what are your passions? What are you good at? What are you interested in? And then ask yourselves, how can I take my passions and gifts and interests and use them to be helpful to solve some of these difficult problems um, that the African-American community is working through. So do that self inventory, um, uh, find out what your passions are. Um, Some people's passions are helping the homeless. Um, So um, the the woman who runs Shelter from the Storm, I believe her first name is, is, is Tammy, uh, she was just so caught up in trying to, to help homeless people that now, after some years of serving in that space, she's the executive director of Shelter from the Storm Ministry, helping currently now 10 or 11 families 
uh, led by single moms, uh, currently right now all African-American with their children. And then within a year, having these women go and be independent with their own jobs and their own apartments uh, with, with freedom, giving them counseling, both psychological and financial, FPU classes, as well as uh, emotional counseling to help these women get back on their feet, to be whom God intended. And their house mother is a dynamic Christian woman who just loves and encourages um, and, and coaches these women day to day. That was her passion. That's Tammy's passion. My passion is education. What is yours? What is your passion? How can you deploy that in a way that helps the African American community? So those are the kinds of questions you should be you should be asking yourself. Cool. Great. And I'm assuming from that answer, Lloyd, you'd say that would be true for our black brothers and sisters in Christ, and also just our black neighbors. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, very few of the kids. <laughs> Who are who I'm a tutor or mentor are are um, whose parents are active in church. I just know that just from talking to the kids casually. Uh, so I'm not dealing with um, typically uh, Christian children. I'm dealing with just children and trying to help and coach them. Yeah. So get get out there in the in the public square. Uh, work with some non Christians. Um, love on them uh, and and see what God might do, what doors God might open. Okay. Um, okay, this is kind of an interesting question. Okay. Um, somebody asked, uh, I am a, con- a Caucasian person. Yes. And I have an uncommon last name, and there are numerous African Americans who share my last name. Okay. Which is good evidence that my ancestors had slaves. <laughs> I don't know them, but I've wanted to apologize. Um, because I'd like to be part of their healing. Do you have any suggestions? I just thought that was a really interesting question. And what I, what I, I mean, that's just kind of a weird position to be in as a person. Be like, oh, I have a last name a lot of black people have. That's probably a really good indication that my ancestors held slaves, which is just terrible yeah. feeling. Just know that. So, you know, Nick, they've got all those different um, software systems where you can track down your ancestors and all that kind of stuff to actually go from being just suspicious to try to put some facts together. Here's what I would say to you. Don't walk in guilt. You, you, you're not responsible for what your ancestors may or may not have done. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I would say uh, don't, 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 don't be guilty. When you stand before Jesus, you're a Christian. He's not going to hold you accountable for what your ancestors may or may not have done. He's going to hold you accountable for um, whether now you as a Christian are reaching out in love to those, uh, to, to our brothers and sisters in Christ that and the world. So he's going to hold you accountable for what you do now, not what somebody might have done in the past. Really, Nick, that's the best I can can answer for that. I, yeah, I, I don't, really, I don't, I, there's I no really perfect. I think, that's a, I think that is a great answer. Yeah. Praise God. You know, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So here, this, here, this is an impertinent question. Sure. That's fine. Um, anytime my daughter goes to Woodman's on the West side, yeah. she is oogled and cat called by young black men. Okay. She yeah. won't go there anymore by herself. Yeah. yeah. Does, does anyone believe as I do yeah. that the black community also has a role to play in ending racism? 
So I guess I guess what the argument here is, the subtext of the argument here is, is that there seem to be certain cultural pathologies that are unhelpful relationally that sometimes are exhibited by some African Americans. And white people experience those too. And that like that affects the summaries they make in their minds. And so like should black people take some of the responsibility for ending racism relative to those behaviors? I guess is the question. Okay. So black people are sinners. And um and unless they repent, they will keep on sinning. Um like any other like any other group of, of people. It's never been my understanding as an African American who has two African American boys. I'm I'm just not aware that that across America and every shopping mall, African American boys are sitting there disruptive with cat calls against women, whether they're white or not. I'm not now. Is that is it possible that that could be happening all across America? I I, I guess it's possible, but I, I can just tell you this. I, that's not stuff I see when I go to the mall. I don't. I, I haven't seen that that particular problem when I go to the mall. Now I'm not saying that that's not happening in your your context. Yes, and if that's happening, that's wrong. And if that's happening, those those boys ought to stop, right? And if I was there at the mall when this was going on, I would kind of go up to him and say, "Hey, man, why don't you kind of cut that out, man? What, what, what's up? Why don't you why don't you chill? Why don't you chill on that? You know?" <laughs> but 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 I understand. Uh, uh, I'm an internal person. I might be able to get away with that. Uh, they might just curse me one time, whatever. Somebody else might be might be assaulted, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I, my, my point is this. I don't think that's the pervasive situation in America that wherever whites and blacks are together and there's a white girl that walks down the school halls, she's going to be talked bad by the African-Americans. I, I don't. I, so I the premise of the underlying premise of that, I don't accept that that's, the, think, under, that that's the underlying truth. So go do ahead. you think that there are some things that are just cultural differences like behaviors that some people think are acceptable and like black people think are acceptable to a larger percentage than white people that are just kind of differences like for example how loud you can play your music in your car in a parking lot enjoying yourself yeah or yes whether or not it's a compliment to a woman to say hey baby you're you know like you're looking fine today like you can yell right. that in front of everybody so that that woman knows she's an object of that person's right. like interest right. like or, or, you know, like I know a woman who – I get a lot of stories about women's actually. There's a lot of multicultural offense that goes on there as well as uh, they have a great multi-ethnic food section. Like I know a person who – a woman who's in there. She's going down um, uh, a, a uh, one of the little hallways there. aisle, yeah, sorry. True. And um, there's like an African-American girl there who just like stood in her way mm-hmm. apparently on purpose. And she's like – excuse me i need to i need to get by and she kind of got an attitude and then like she's like and kind of got out of the way and then she went by the girl like very lightly hit the woman intentionally like elbowed her right very lightly yeah and the woman turned to the mother who's standing right there 
And she's yeah. like, did you see that your daughter just, just like struck me? And she was like, go on, keep going, go on, right? And you can kind of see that, like, surely that story was told by that woman as this prissy white woman came down and was so rude to my daughter. And, like, this woman's like, I cannot believe the inhumanity of this girl. And then her mom said it was okay. Like, you just, like, these things just spin in your mind about how people perceive them and then how they tell those stories and then how they swirl. Yeah. But do you think there is just kind of like a, a like, a, a difference in just this kind of perception of, like, because like I, I've had people say, why are black people so loud in public? Could, but like, and you're kind of like, well, maybe they think it's okay to be loud in public. Some of them, you know, like maybe that's fun. Well, Nick, Nick, oftentimes when I was in college, I would say, man, why, why do all the frat boys who are in these houses, largely white, why are they drinking themselves to death every weekend? So, so the question is this: here's the here's the here's the thing. Yeah, there there are, are certain things that uh, African Americans may be louder in terms of how they they socialize than white folks are. That, that's something to to understand, and I think that's something that to be understand and to be and to be uh, that, that you you should you should be able to manage relatively easily. Now, in terms of things like. Uh, you're being bullied by the black people at your school. That's something that has to be dealt with. Hmm. That's something that has to be dealt with, with educators and parents involvement that needs to be handled. Hmm. And, and, I, and I know that kind of stuff happens. It happens yeah. cross-culturally and within, and within culture. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, so like, it, I, I, yeah. I remember like, I just yeah. remember like the, one of the first times I played outdoor basketball at college. Yeah. And about half the about half my college was from the city. Maybe forty percent was yeah. from New York City. Right. Mostly African American, right? People were saying really mean things to me while I was playing whilst playing basketball, and like yeah. I just I just was not used to a culture of trash talking. I just wasn't. Yeah. And they'd yeah. say mean, they'd say these things about my mom. They'd say things about my genitals. I just yeah. and I like I real I was like I know they're having fun, but they're also trying to get in my head. Okay, this is like this is like you know, and like it took me a while to just like get used to it and i was like okay i'm white am i allowed to trash talk back or will he beat me up if i do that and like yeah. there was a guy who clearly it was his job to trash talk and another guy was like his job to dunk and it was just like a totally different cultural thing yeah. right yes like in like i play basketball yeah black people white people call fouls totally different <laughs> like in my experience that's what like yeah you're like, you're, like if you're if you're black you're supposed to be able to score even if you get fouled unless you get raked yes and white people just like you fouled me like that's a foul Right. Boom, it's a foul. Right. Don't follow me. Right. And like we've had I've had big arguments where I play basketball where like young black guys will come and play and we've got these old white guys playing. And like I'll go for a layup and he'll foul me. And I'll right. be like, that's a foul. And he's like, You should have made it anyway. What are you doing calling foul? You can't call foul. I'm yeah. like, I just call it foul. So it's a foul. You know, like yeah. Yeah. do you feel like there's just some there are cultural differences that we moralize that are cultural differences. Yeah. And then there are cultural differences that like you could understand why the other person wouldn't like it. Like cat calling might be an example of this. You'd be like, yeah, you can understand how like a feminist. So, as a Nick, are, like you thinking, are you saying that cat calling is a uniquely African-American thing? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is I think it is women respond to it differently. Cause I know white women that okay. don't mind at all. They're kind of flattered by it. And then other white women who are just horrified. And I've met black women who don't particularly like it. And I've, yeah. I've met black women who seem to, Think it's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And men, when they yell, hey, baby, they don't know which kind of woman that is. You know? So I think what we're saying is, I think what we're saying is, there are some things that are unique to our, that could be unique to our cultures that can be aggravating to other people. Yeah. And, um, African-Americans have been dealing with this as we reach out or as, as being minorities uh, in the U.S. And me in particular, 7% of Dane County, right? There are things that white folks do that can be irritating to me. And I learned to, to manage the things, the things that are sinful, I have, to, I have to challenge and deal with. Most of it is just quirky, just different. Most of the stuff that's different. This is, my experience, Nick, is this. Most of the stuff is just quirky and different. I just get over it. If there's stuff that's just that's sin, then I got to manage that. And so so you've got to do right. the, what's the difference? What is just a quirk? I don't like loud people. What's your problem? That's your problem. If they're not in the library, get over it. Right? If it, if, get over it. But if, it's, if, it, if somebody's bullying your child, that's a different thing. That's a different yeah. thing. That's not to be tolerated. So we've we got to parse those out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So... All right, all right. So there, um, there were a bunch of an, apparently a bunch of comments about your police in front of the bank story. Okay. Um, of people who are like, I don't. Well, okay. They don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna change what they said to make it. I think a little bit more sympathetic. But it was kind of like I don't. I don't get it. Like it's it's part of policing to grab nearby people who generally look like suspects. And then see if those suspects get identified as the person. That's the only way to investigate such a, such crimes. Yeah. And Nick, so the, the misunderstanding is this, and this is where, and, and this is where it's. it's I, I have found traditionally, as I have talked about these things with with white people, is here's the here's the misunderstanding. Because I'm a black man, I'm a suspect. In, in the police officer's own words, he said the woman who, whose purse was stolen uh, was a black man with a red jogging suit. Mm-hmm. I was a black man with a blue jogging suit with a red stripe. Right. So that's the first offense. That, that's the first offense. So he should have got when he talked to her. Something. I was. I assume the woman knows the difference between a red jogging suit and a black man with a blue jogging suit with a red stripe. That 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 would seem that would seem obvious to me. Now maybe maybe he felt that he had to just stop all of the black men that were in the area that had a jogging suit on because she didn't quite know. And if, if that's the case, and they needed to do a lineup, they needed to come up with some form of a lineup. What I'm saying is. In broad daylight, right in public square. Mm-hmm. I'm so just saying, I'm just saying, let me finish, Nick. I'm just saying, think about that. Put yourself in my shoes. Put yourself for a minute, put yourself in my shoes. Right. And be the minority and have them take you out in front of your place of employment to do a lineup right at where you work. And, and have and have yourself think this. Have yourself know that you're not even not even possibly guilty. Watch the woman look at you and say, "Oh, of course not. This is this guy is not." Keep in your mind what the police officer told you 
which was he was looking for somebody rid of red jogging suit and, 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 and perhaps think that the issue was I was just a black man at the wrong place at the wrong time and I just fit the stereotype description. And now, I fully get it. That's hard for you to do. I wish I could make it more clear to you. The only way you would understand it better is if you actually had to go through the situation. If you went through the situation and you talked to me, my guess is we you would understand what I had what I was talking about. I I I would I would nine out of ten. I'd, I'd almost guarantee you'd understand what I was talking about. That's okay. the best I can do with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's okay to leave it there. I think. Yeah, I mean, I there's some people that just said, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, and I think, I think, I think one of the things you're saying is that one, just getting put in a police car is a really serious thing, and if that hasn't happened to you a few times. It's just if it's a very visceral experience, and then two, when the person told you the description, you feel you like it, and you don't fit the description, right? You only fit three out of the four things, I'm black. right? I was black and I was in a jogging suit. You're a I black man in a yeah, jogging suit. That's right, but, right? And you had a red stripes. You, you would think that the description would it was specific enough, right? He right? told me. He said red jogging suit. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah, and then you conceded that this wasn't their intention to drive you, you right back in front of the place where you worked. But that was – the minute you take somebody into custody, there may be inadvertent indignities. That's just what happens if you take somebody into custody. And then that's what happened. So the normal protocol is to, to take them – what you're saying to me, Nick, is they took them and they took them in broad daylight in the middle of downtown Chicago right when everybody is getting off work and putting them – that's perfectly legit. That's perfectly fine. Huh, that's that's not a problem. You're saying I'm saying that? With the person who's asking the question, are they saying that? Yeah, I think what they're saying is... Let me tell you this. In all of my life, 55 years, in all the various places I've been to, I've never seen a a scenario like that, period. I've I've never seen a white guy just taken out in the middle of the business, business area and... I mean... So the the fact that they treated it informally and indiscreetly was a yeah, big part of its indignity. That was the big. That was the, to me that was the biggest indiscretion. It was like right in the middle of the of the street. We're gonna have this lineup, really, right here in the broad daylight, right at right in the middle of, of the busy one of the busiest times of the day, right after work is over, and. And, yeah. and and people and so I don't really have there's not much more I can say on that Nick. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I think I think some people, I, some of these folks. I mean, because like there was one person that actually just wrote that their they were kind of their heart was really heavy just reading some of these comments. But the thing is, like, man, some of these this is how some people feel. They like they they don't they okay. don't get they don't get it. They don't go like, well, yeah, you got to interact with the police. The police is supposed to do this kind of stuff. What's what's the big deal? But what you're saying, no, I would have rather been taken down to the station. That's right. Because they would have taken me down to the station. They would have treated the thing formally, and I wouldn't have been out in public. That That's would have right. been better. Like that, you know, like the. I mean, it's not to me. It would have been better to miss my game and to have my whole night time wise ruined. 
but to not be like pulled up on the side of the road like we're do like we're doing like we're doing like country justice like that wasn't in that like that all all that you put all those together that the description of the jogging suit should have been good enough for them not to stop me in the first place that was the first identity right number one was i was black and i didn't i didn't fully fit the prescription i was not wearing a red jogging suit right i was wearing a blue jogging suit with a red stripe down the side that's the first thing that's wrong the second thing that's wrong is they're going to do a lineup in broad daylight in the in downtown Chicago. Right. Really? Which, which of really? course, this isn't good legal practice because now they can't do a lineup because the lady saw you in the car. So now if they do a lineup later. No, it wasn't that she saw me in the car. It wasn't. I wish it had just been that. I had to get out of the car. Nick, yeah. the police officer said, get out of the car so she can take a good look at you. As, as I was stepping out of the car, the woman said, no, that's not the guy. Well, yeah, I don't have a red jogging suit on. I got a blue jogging suit on with a red stripe. And so she dismissed it very quickly. But I'm right in front of my bank in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, there's not much I can say to, to help anybody. If they don't get it, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that, I think that's, we've done enough on that. It, yeah. If it was helpful for me, helpful. It's not, it's not, I don't know. Um, all right. But I, I feel like the way the way you talked about it, I feel like if you put the accumulation together, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that that's helpful. Okay. All right. Let me look for the next thing here. Um. So here's the one that we we talked to Debbie about. Yeah. I was wondering if Lloyd could provide some insight into how implicit bias and microaggression yeah. can perpetuate racism. Yeah. So we briefly right after um, the service was over, Nick and I capture my wife and just just we're talking to her a little bit about this and i am going to uh, reflect what she said as best as i could and what she said is um when we say these these things that oftentimes could be unconscious lloyd your hair is a little nappy today uh when, when we say these kinds of things that we're maybe we're not even aware that they're offensive. Um, they they injure the person just a little bit, like a little like a little slit. Um, a, a taking your hand and touching a white woman's a black woman's hair, for instance, just because you see her and her hair is different. It, she's got a strange style, and you're intrigued by that, and you just you just assume that you should you can go and touch it because you're just trying to learn. Things, these, these kinds of things are offensive and you're, and you're not aware of, the, of them. Some of the things that people do and say that are microaggressions can come from a heart that's just biased or discriminatory. You never, you never know which is which, right? You, you don't know at the point of, if you're receiving the microaggression, whether somebody really, it's a, it's a sign of a bad heart and, and uh, underneath racism, you, you, you don't know. Um, but, but it, it could be, it could be that there's a person that, you know, that's constantly telling these bad, you know, these, uh, racy kind of jokes that are right on the borderline about your culture, but they're, and they're always doing it. It, it. You know, it could be that they're just racist and they need to stop or, or it could be, they just, somebody just needs to say something to them to, to let them know that they could be offending someone. Right. We don't quite know the difference. 
And so I, I'm not I'm not ready to say, Nick, when I run into somebody who is guilty of a microaggression that they're a racist. I, I just don't believe that. I don't think that's true. Could could if if somebody is a repeat offender on these things, somebody needs to come alongside them to let them know what they're doing and ask them to stop. And if they then continue to do it, uh, you know, they they probably have some sort of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that those those microaggressions, um, th- those sorts of things, mm-hmm. and I mean implicit implicit bias, so mm-hmm. we're assuming is what produces microaggressions, right? Yeah. And that those things perpetuate racism in that, especially if they're not called out or yeah. if they can they can perpetuate they can just keep doing them, right? Yeah. They can perpetuate racism if you just let them go unchecked. So if I'm offending you along racial lines, if I'm saying some things, if I'm if you're a Mexican American and, and I refer to you in a way that you don't like, and I don't then and, and you tell me the right way, and I just completely ignore you and keep saying it my way, that's probably my problem. I don't I don't love you enough to even um, identify you in a way that's dignifying to you. That's my problem. I need to fix that, right? But you would say that, like, yeah. if you referred to a Mexican American person, yes, go ahead, as like a Latino, and yes, they said, "Lloyd, Lloyd, I prefer Mexican American." Then I would try to do that as right. a as a Mexican. I think, but I you, think it's but you wouldn't classify. But you wouldn't classify. You're calling them a Latino a microaggression. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But just if you if kept knew, doing it, but if I knew would. they preferred to be referred to as a a Mexican or a Latino, and I ref- I intentionally referred to them the other way. Yeah. Now that's a microaggression. Yeah. Not now that's a microaggression, right? That's my that's my personal opinion. Now I'm trying to do something. I know what they would prefer. I know how to love my brother the way they would like to be, and I I just do it the other way because that's what I want to do. That then I've got a sin problem that I need to deal with. Yeah. What would you say to people who feel like the development of the language microaggression? Yes, go ahead. Is like their response is like, this is crazy. Like the only reason we need this language is because there aren't hardly any macroaggressions anymore. And now they got to come up with something new so that white people are guilty all the time. You wouldn't you say something like, no, no, there's always been these things. We just, this is a language we're using that's fairly clinical and business like so that we can talk about ways people are sort of racistly impolite and harm people and hurt and marginalize people, but that aren't like nobody gets punched or burned. You know, like it's not like a new thing. It's just we're trying to come up with language so that we can talk about it in the business atmosphere, in the workplace, in the academic atmosphere, in a formalized enough way so that people can understand what we're talking about. Yeah, let me I, I think you're I think yes, your your point B is accurate. And let me give you a practical example. I've been very uncomfortable talking to people about privilege. And and it's because I had never really um, explored the definition and looked in the scriptures to see what in the world they're talking about until I began to prepare for this sermon. Mm -hmm. When I began to prepare for this sermon, I saw privilege all over the place. I'll give you another example in the Bible. Joseph is in Egypt. And he's an upstanding man, uh, given authority for everything within uh, the, his owner's responsibility. He's, everything is prospering. The captain of the guard, everything is prospering. 
He's got stellar reputation. Even all the rest of the servants report into to Joseph. There's one problem. Uh, the captain of the guard's wife thinks that Joseph is handsome, and she would like to she would like to connect with him, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And he's a godly man, though. He's a godly man, and he refuses to make do this sin against God. He refuses to do this. So, what does the woman do? She keeps going after him day after day after day. He keeps refusing, and finally, she grabs his jacket while he's fleeing. And then, what does she do? She Amy Cooper's him. She lies. And she says to her husband, this guy came in here to try to, the inference is, rape me. Mm-hmm. And you need to do something with him. And of course, now Joseph spends, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us how many years, he spends uh, a, a several years in prison for no offense of his own. Mm-hmm. For being, his offense was that he was being godly. That was his offense. Right. So privilege is just a term that's being used to describe when the majority group has this um, power uh, and privilege that, in this case, Joseph didn't have. He was right. There's no servant there that would have said that Joseph was doing anything to this woman. She didn't even have to have witnesses. She just told her husband, this is what happened, and Joseph goes into prison. Mm-hmm. So that term of privilege is just a descriptor of what of things that have already happened. I do think you're right in terms of those microaggressions. It's just terms being uh, that are given to try to explain how we are offending our brother or sister. It could be in, in terms of sexism, how we're offending them that we that nobody has ever called out now, and now we're being made aware of it. They're labeling these things so that we can deal with them. Yeah, and you would concede that there's there's lots of kinds of privilege. Yes. I Tons would. of different kinds I of would. privilege. I would. But, I that, would. That, but that white privilege is a fairly pervasive privilege. Whether we think it's a super heavy one or a rather light one, it's a real one. Yeah. It does come for a benefit. And so it's something that needs to be paid attention to yes. and structurally undermined if possible so that not to the point of killing white people, but to That's create right. real equality as much as possible. Right. I just don't believe people should be guilty about whatever privilege that they have. I think that they should be aware and steward it well. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a few more impertinent questions. And then after that, I'm going to ask you about some people who are reading these questions and got kind of discouraged by them, you know? So, because I think that's important too. Those are both important things. So, um, all right. Uh, One person asked, do you think we confuse cultural differences with racism? Can you clarify that for me? Um, so is it really if a cultural difference doesn't oppress me doesn't doesn't put me at a disadvantage then I would then it doesn't fit the definition of of racism so I I don't believe I reject the idea that our cultural differences make us racist I totally reject that out of hand God made all the languages and peoples and cultures in a different way. So no, cultural differences is not racism. But, but, do, but finish, Nick, and in Egypt, but in Egypt, because you were afraid, um, putting all the Jewish people into slavery and bondage and taking advantage of their labor and putting their children to death, 
that's that's racism. <laughs> that's a problem. That's a that's a massive problem. Um, uh, in any time, I am looking at a class of people hostile towards them, biased against them, in ways that do them harm. That is that is racism that we need to cease and desist from. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, so I th- I think where this is coming from. Okay. Because this is I think this is coming from like a white perspective, Go which ahead. is like if you if someone says um, the the so the, the let's say they say no when when I have a certain feeling about a particular African American young man, let's say. Okay. Right. It's not the fact that his his skin is black or that he's phenotypically African. Go ahead. The issue is is that there is a way in which he has culturally embodied his blackness that I don't care for or don't trust or don't want to be close to or whatever. And so I'm not really being racist because I don't believe inherently in the inferiority of him as a black man. What I believe in is the – and I, so I'm going to put a real fine point on it here – is the cultural inferiority of the culture that he has made his own enculturation as opposed to the culture enculturation, which I prefer. That's not a, that's not racism. That's a profound distinguished distinguishing set of ideas about how human lives should be lived and how human people should enculturate themselves and therefore how they should relate to others. So that's not racism. That is a difference in convictions about how we should culturally live as human beings. Right. And but I but I know that most of the folks, um, I need I know that most of the folks feel that um that that is racism. Yes, and so I think we have to look at these things case by case. These things that are um, that these attributes that you believe African Americans are exhibiting on a regular basis, we have to look at them on a regular basis. And we've got to we've got to determine on a case by case basis what is sin and what is just people are different that you don't like. We we gave a perfect example. We said the louder music when you pull up in the gas station, uh, got having your boombox on. Now boombox culture is is more than just African American, but I, but I'll 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 grant I'll grant that you know being a little louder in terms of how you fellowship is is something that's that is. Um, that, that can be typical among African Americans. So we got to determine between the things that are offensive and sinful and the things that are just different. And we got to know the difference. Cause I, I got a feeling that I'm going to disagree with a lot of what some people say is, is, is emblematic of African American people. I'm just going to agree that it's not, I'm going to say, yeah. yeah, there are some people that do that, but that doesn't represent my culture. That doesn't represent okay. my culture. Fred's, we're going to do um, two episodes here. So we're going to close this one up here and we're going to do another episode that Lloyd and I are actually just going to start in just a minute. But um, I, I do want to say this, if you don't get to listen to one of the other, one of the episodes, other episodes soon, um, we believe really strongly at High Point in candor and in asking the real question in earnest. Um, but in this kind of issue, we're talking about things that other folks have really strong negative feelings about um, feelings that we sometimes label as traumatic feelings, which I think that's a fairly accurate 
um, way of characterizing them because a, tra- a traumatic experience is that which wounds you and very strongly associates a, your, like your future reaction to things. And a lot of, a lot of um, experiences people have with racism are traumatic because they create these future experiences of, of people's emotional reactions. And so um, this isn't an easy way to have a forum in which people are um, being candid, yet that is what's necessary to create unity. And so um, we're trying to do this the best we can, um, but there is no way to do this that doesn't hurt people's feelings and that isn't really difficult. So um, I hope that if you listen to the other episodes and um, walk with us through this, you'll realize that we both need to be careful um, and we need to be candid. So um, yeah, so we'll see you in the next episode. listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.